I want to tell you about my new hero. His name is Jorund Victoria Alme. You can find him running around Oslo, Norway. And by him, I clearly mean her. And by running around, I clearly mean rolling around because Jorund identifies as a disabled woman, despite having no physical handicaps and using a wheelchair almost all the time. Dude loves to sit down. He's been speaking lately about his trans disability and he's Jorund, our friend Jorund, says it's a cognitive dissonance. In the same way that I experienced being a woman in a man's body, I experienced that I should have been paralyzed. I sh I'm sorry. I should have been paralyzed from the waist down. God bless you, sir. I mean, well, technically, ma'am. You have inspired, I know, me and so many others with your ability to capitalize on the insanity of this woke leftist world. You never have to stand up. You've crafted yourself into a renowned public figure and done wheelchair donuts all over the information superhighway. One day, I may take a page from your book and transform into someone who also never has to get up out of his chair because I, Stuber Gear, also identify as someone who is really, really lazy. Stu does America. If you want to subscribe to Blaze TV and get the best election night coverage you could possibly imagine, go to blazetv.com slash midterms and use the promo code REDWAVE. Yeah, you get 30 bucks off right now. Make sure to check that out. If you're watching on YouTube, you're in a good place. Right now, you can solve all your election night problems because you can get the election coverage, I believe, on YouTube as well. That goes till midnight. Now, after midnight, you know, everyone else here, they're not dedicated to you. They're just going to go home. They're going to go to bed. They go sleepy sleep. Me? We're going over to the YouTube channel uh, for Studios America, and we will be broadcasting late into the night, early into the morning, as late as we can possibly take it, giving you election results, good news, bad news, no matter what, we'll hand it to you all night on election night. That's Tuesday. Don't miss it. BlazeTV.com slash midterms. Promo code is red wave. It's guest of Palooza today. I'll be talking about uh, the midterms coming up, of course, with, uh, da with Daniel Horowitz, Dan Andros, Jorge Ventura. It's going to be great. Um, and we're going to get into that in a second. But we start by doing election 22, the final four. And by the final four, I mean the final four freaking days. Yeah, we're that close. Only four days left until election day 2022. I'm a little terrified by all of this. You know, I kind of gone in a big wave here. Started out, you know, uh, of course, Watching Biden in office, he kind of had to be a little bit confident for a while there. And then we got into the summer and there was the Dobbs decision and everybody in the media was saying, oh, this is over. I mean, now the Democrats have their talking point and they're going to they're going to surprise everyone and hold uh, all the Senate and the House and everything. It's going to be great. Now, I never bought that. I thought we'd see a lot of narrowing as we got closer to the election when Republicans and conservatives kind of got engaged. Right. You're not engaged in the summer. No one cares what's going on in the summer. So we saw all of this go on. And the, of course, the polls have tightened in a lot of these races. Some of them, um, the ones that were tight before, have kind of gone to the Republican side. We will see how this plays out on Tuesday. But today I kind of wanted to take a, a, a break and step back and say, OK, let's get some perspectives from around the country. So we're going to go we're going to go drop into the biggest Senate race in the country right now, arguably, maybe the most competitive, certainly the most weird Senate race in the country in Pennsylvania, we'll, we'll drop in there. We will uh, talk about the movement among Hispanic voters. Are they really moving to the right? We'll talk, talk about uh, going down into South Texas on the border, uh, in Arizona as well. 
How are Hispanic voters potentially changing the face of this election? We'll also go a little bit more in depth looking at the down races in each state. You know, a lot of times we forget, we think, oh, well, the Senate, that's the only conversation. Well, you also have the House, of course. You have the governors as well. And then you also have the state legislatures. Those are vitally important and sometimes more important than what actually goes on in Washington. You know, we believe in federalism here. We are people who love the Constitution, love this form of government. It's not perfect, but hey, it's a lot better than everyone else seems to have in the country. Look at Israel. They have a new election every three weeks. I mean, uh, Great Britain, who's the prime minister today? I don't know. Uh, they probably switched it in the last 12 hours. I don't know. We at least have we at least know when our elections are coming up. We can at least say that. And, you know, when you look down at the state level, a lot of times those policies affect you on a day to day basis much more than what you see nationally. So we're going to look at all of that. What can conservatives actually accomplish? What can Republicans and libertarians and you know, any freedom minded people? What can we actually accomplish as we go forward over the next few months? The Democrats are desperate. They're trying everything. Uh, they, you know, you, we talked yesterday about Joe Biden's big speech where he blabbed and blabbed about, uh, you know, the, the the harm to democracy that Republicans would do if they're elected. And I got news for you, just just in case you were wondering about this, if your definition of democracy uh, ends if someone votes for your opponents, you don't talk. You're not really talking about democracy there. You're just talking about you winning. Like, and look, everyone wants to win. But if you say our democracy is at stake, that's why you could never vote for a Republican. That's kind of a problem. You're just saying you want to win and you're trying to intimidate people to do so. We now know that a new poll is out. A wide majority of Americans are concerned about politically motivated violence. Now, this poll was taken right after the Nancy Pelosi, uh, Paul Pelosi incident. Uh, But nearly nine in 10 Americans are concerned about this. Of course, the split is pretty much equal. It's 31 percent for Democrats are concerned, 25 percent of Republicans uh, who are being blamed in this particular uh, situation. Uh, Of course, that's right after the Pelosi incident. You probably would note that if it came after the baseball uh, shooting from 2017 or maybe after the Kavanaugh incident, you would probably see those polls reverse. The bottom line here is that the Democrats are going to do anything to win as many seats as possible. We're going to take an hour here and kind of look at go all across the country and see where these lines may be as we go to Tuesday. Again, don't miss our coverage. BlazeTV.com slash midterms. The promo code is Red Wave. Why can I not remember that? Red Wave. You get 30 bucks off. And after the coverage ends, we're going late night, early morning on BlazeTV.com. Or excuse me, at Stu Does America YouTube page. Make sure you go there as well. YouTube.com slash Stu Does America. We're going to talk to Daniel Horowitz coming up next. You know, there's only one way to term limit a congressman, and that's Tuesday. You can vote them out and get them the hell out of there. I will say that is something that we all should be focused on here in the next few days for so many of them. But so many of them are, should be removed because they have, they're have they hypocrites, right? They, they would never accept term limits on themselves, but they want term limits for the Supreme Court. Kind of odd, isn't it? Doesn't it sound a little hypocritical? Well, uh, of course, that's what they do. And this is kind of their fallback option. They were trying to pack the court. That didn't work. Now they're going to try to term limit the court. Who's going to be term limited out first? I don't know. Just random people like uh, Clarence Thomas, Samuel Alito. 
that's it, though. Uh, let's, we'll keep, uh, you know, Katanji Brown Jackson in there for as long as you need. Don't worry about it. Look, Democrats are going to work hard to try to purge the court any way that they can. You need to get involved on the other side of this with our friends at First Liberty Institute. If you go over to their website, supremecoup.com, supremecoup.com, they are trying to organize people to stop the coup at the Supreme Court. Get involved with them. It's a great organization, supremecoup.com, supremecoup.com. It's always great to have Daniel Horowitz on the program. He's the host of the Blaze podcast, Conservative Review, senior editor for TheBlaze.com, and co-author of the upcoming book, Rise of the Fourth Reich, Confronting COVID Fascism with a New Nuremberg Trial. So this never happens again, which you can get your hands on in February of next year. Daniel, how's it going? Great to be with you. We're coming closer to that time. I know. It's crazy. And now only a few days away from the election. You have a great, really thorough look at the states as a whole. We focused a lot kind of on these marquee Senate races and everything, which are, of course, yep. interesting. But you've really uh, you, you dug into the data. You've uh, looked at the, the sort of the idea of these state legislatures and what can get done at the state level. Can you kind of take us through part of this? Two things are very important to note. Number one is we all know at a federal level, Republican establishment establishment will say, hey, we don't have 60 seats in the Senate. We don't have the presidency. There's a limit to what we can do. Well, we're going to debate that. But Look, there's a number of states, already 23, where Republicans control the governorship and both chambers of the legislature. And I go through state by state to note that they can get more than 30 potential trifecta control, full control Mm. of state government, which leads me to the second point that Democrats over the years have geographically and demographically gerrymandered themselves into oblivion, where they've really condensed their their voters and and. They have a very limited appeal. So naturally, when you get to state legislative districts, even a 50-50 state is going to skew towards a GOP legislature. And in a year like this, they're going to have super majorities probably in most of those swing states and then even get some majorities in blue states. So we're looking at a scenario where they could get over 30 trifectas and Democrats could be down to California, Hawaii, and then you know, even New York, Lee Zeldin could win there. They could pick up some chambers in in Maine and Oregon. They could be down to very few states of full control. Let's not forget that most of the policies we care about on the education, the grooming issues, medical freedom, a lot of that can be dealt with at a state level. Yeah, it's really important. And of course, have to hold their feet to the fire to make sure they actually do it, which often they don't. But uh, as far as the going the other way, if there's any bad news, really the only the only states that you're looking at as far as the governors go of losing on, on the right would be what Maryland and Massachusetts, maybe one or two others. But generally speaking, this looks really good for Republicans. No, it does. I mean, Maryland, Massachusetts, obviously, the Republicans are very liberal to begin with. They'll yeah. probably get, um, you know, see a turnover there. But I mean, you're, you're looking at Republicans controlling the pivotal presidential states, Wisconsin, um, Michigan, possibly even uh, Minnesota. Uh, you know, Pennsylvania might still be tough, but most of the others they'll get. And then there's the prospect of them picking up in Oregon, in New York. Um, so you're again, you're going to see where there are very few states where Democrats will control all three branches. And then conversely, there will be some states that will likely flip completely the other way. Right now, Democrats control Nevada, lock, stock and barrel. You could see Republicans flip every statewide office all four House seats and both chambers of the legislature in one election. 
a poll has Republicans generic ballot up eight in Nevada. Wow. I mean, that's huge. I mean, again, you know, Nevada, I guess you'd call it a purple state. I would say purple state seemingly with almost a slight blue lean to be able to take a state like that and completely flip it would be remarkable. And I think that really speaks to the demographic shifts we're seeing where Republicans are not just mitigating losses among Hispanics, but in certain states downright outright winning their vote. And that's where it's going to come into play in that state there. Um, you also have a lot of working class folks in, in the Las Vegas area, the service industry, that they suffered under the shutdown. They certainly don't appreciate the fact that you had such a harsh lockdown. It was like as bad as California there. So ironically, Republicans might do better in some states where Democrats were previously governor during the shutdowns because of that blowback against it. Um, you know, you will have some nail biters, but then you're also looking at some house races that are in D plus three to D plus eight districts that are now in play. So broadly speaking, you're going to see a mandate where Republicans might have more power in the states than they've ever had. Mm, it really is incredible. And I will say to build off your Nevada point, I, I went to uh, Las Vegas in I think it was September 2021. And they still had a mask mandate on inside the casinos. And I kid you not, Daniel, they would only let you take the mask down to either drink alcohol or smoke cigarettes. You, <laughs> other, other than that, you could do all the really healthy stuff. Uh, you, can't, you can't breathe the air in the room, but you can put, just put all sorts of toxins down inside your body. Welcome to the science. It's all there. <laughs> it's all there. Now, this kind of goes to connect to what your book, uh, your upcoming book is, is, is about. But it's like this is the first time that most voters have an opportunity to say to their governor, hey, either you did a terrible job during COVID or maybe in the case of Florida, hey, we really love what you did for our freedom during uh, COVID. We saw that in Florida. I think it looks like uh, Abbott's going to blow out Beto here in Texas. Uh, Kemp looks like he's going to win pretty easily. Some of these states will get rewarded and some of them will really be punished. Obviously, the Iowa governor, Kim Reynolds, is going to win big because she was anti-lockdown governor. And then conversely, Oregon. I mean, would you have ever thought in the land of Antifa, uh, all the polls do have the Democrat incumbent set to lose in Oregon. And she could have been possibly the worst lockdown governor, the one that would literally mask the children outdoors during sports. Some of them are still doing it. So there's a big blowback in, in states like that. So I think that's going to loom large and that will speak to the mandate that Steve and I tried to write about in this book, that now is the time to shut this down from the gain of function to the war on early treatment to the green lighting therapeutics uh, that they knew were problematic and certainly emergency powers and mandates. We need systemic structural reforms to deal with that. And Republicans might say, well, you know, we the, the Democrats will filibuster. We don't have the presidency. Well, there's nothing stopping 30 or so states, perhaps, from basically enshrining into statute and even state constitutions a right to bodily autonomy in as much as a state can never force a medical device or product on or in your body. Yeah, that's very, very important. And I think we, we forget sometimes because because we are, we're all national now. Everyone's talking about the yep. national scene. The state scene is, is much more important in so many cases. And I, and I would throw onto this, too, from the national level. I have not heard any Republicans talking about this, but we need to reform or eliminate completely uh, the way it currently stands, OSHA. I mean, the fact that they tried to push all these mandates through 
OSHA, which obviously was unconstitutional and wrong, <laughs> but they tried to do it anyway. And when you look at this, the legislative uh, language, I mean, it's almost justifiable the way that it's written. It's so broad. Their powers are almost unlimited. That's got to stop. And, and that's where the funding, the funding budget battles are really going to come into play, because the biggest problem we have is you could count on one hand how many bad things the Democrats passed when they had control. You had that Green New Deal bill and, and a couple others, but most of what was done was autonomously done through the administrative state mm. because we don't have a constitutional republic anymore. They just kind of do what they want. I mean, now is the time both with the uh, control of the you know hearings, investigations, but also the purse strings. And this is why it's so important that in December – they don't pass an omnibus bill to keep all the bad policies, OSHA, CDC, um, FBI, IRS funded through next year. You give it maybe two, three months of continuing resolution so a new Republican Congress could rewrite that and say, look, this is the budget, budget we're standing behind. We're not moving off of it. Mm, that'll be really interesting to watch. Dan, we have about uh, 45 seconds left before we need to go. Can you give me your picture of what you think is going to happen on Tuesday? Obviously, new information can come in over the weekend, but where it stands right now, what do you think we're looking at? I think I think no matter what, they're going to take both houses. We're looking at you know roughly 245 uh, or so House seats, which is well over the margin you need. Maybe 53 to 54 GOP senators. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of changes where you'll have better conservatives uh, being elected as opposed to the previous ones. You know, instead of Portman, you got J.D. Vance. Instead of Richard Byrd, North Carolina, you got Ted Budd, a Freedom Caucus guy. There's a lot of these. And like I said, I think they're going to have well over 30 governors, maybe 34 or so, and possibly 30, 31 where they control the entire state government. That would be the highest watermark probably since 19. 29. Wow. It's going to be an amazing, uh, amazing day. And uh, I'm probably weak. I mean, let's be honest, there's no more election days. Now it's election season. <laughs> uh, Daniel Horowitz, co-host of the Blaze podcast, Conservative Review, senior editor for TheBlaze.com, the co-author of the upcoming book, Rise of the Fourth Reich, confronting COVID fascism with a new Nuremberg trial. So this never happens again. You can keep an eye out for that in February 2023. Daniel, thanks for all the info. Make sure you read uh, this article. It's on TheBlaze.com. Hor uh, Horowitz, the coming state legislative tsunami. Will Republicans cap? Capitalize on it. It's a really good breakdown with all the details. Daniel, thanks so much for doing this. Take care. God bless. All right, let's bring in Dan Andros. He's the managing editor of Faithwire.com and host of CBN's Quick Start podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Dan, how's it going? It's going great. Uh, you may not know this, uh, uh, listeners to this program, but Dan lives in the belly of the beast in Pennsylvania, where he's seeing, I would imagine at this point, nothing but attack ads. Oh, it is uh, Flemlasky Velveeta on steroids, <laughs> Stu. It's, it is unbelievable. I literally just saw an ad last night. That, you know, they run them back to back. And the first one was seemingly a normal guy, like you would get a a constituent of Pennsylvania talking about Dr. Oz. And he called him a POS, but said it out. He goes, what? yeah, Dr. Oz, he's just a POS. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, this is this is a passable for an ad now? Wait, and then the wait, next wait, hold one on, hold was on. Called, I want to stop for a second. You're saying that, was this a radio commercial, a TV commercial? What was it? 
Um, I well, I saw it on the internet, so maybe it was just a web ad or something. Okay. So how they, but, but he said the swear, like he, he <laughs> said it out. So maybe it was just a specific web ad or something okay. like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I was one. like, oh my gosh, okay, that's aggressive. And then the next one was, you know, far left Fetterman helping killers kill again. <laughs> <laughs> It's just we're getting mailers. I think I sent you one where it's, you know, a, a danger traffic sign with Fetterman's face on it. I mean, it's getting it's comical at this point. The one thing that's interesting about making bad political ads, and I I, I will tell you, it's a guilty pleasure of mine. I freaking love <laughs> horrible attack ads during uh, election season. But one of the things that's difficult about making them is you have to find photos and still shots of like the candidates looking terrible. And of course, it's their yeah. job to look good. But it's never difficult with Fetterman because he never looks anything other than like weird Frankenstein guy with a hoodie. Yeah, it's it's it is easy, easy pickings for the writers of these ads. But you you can't help but think that. I mean, it's like, are they hiring comedy writers or something for these things? Because it, it's it is it's funny in a way. I mean, it's sad on the one hand, but it's mostly it's mostly comical. I mean, it, it looks like they're right. They're writing comedy bits at this point. Um, particularly here in Pennsylvania, where it's nonstop. It seems like, too, there is a there's a point where it, the too much money in politics thing is such a trope, right? It's like, oh, everyone's, oh, there's too much money in politics. And, like, I don't know, it's, it's like they spend less on political ads than they do on, you know, Heinz ketchup ads every year. Like, it's not that, yeah. I don't think it's that big, as big a deal as everybody makes it out to be. But there is, it does ca- cross a line where, the candidates themselves just have too much money and they don't know what to do with it. They just they just start running the same ad a 10 million times. They try all this crazy nonsense. And I, I feel like so little of it these days actually works. Yeah, I mean, and then oftentimes it backfires. I mean, I, I just saw another one of Fetterman trying to recreate the Mean Joe Green ad. Oh, yeah. For everyone who's old enough to remember that one, you know, this big mean football player and he gets a Coke from the kid and he drinks and he tried to recreate this um, seemingly with just his iPhone in a hallway. And it, you know, it's it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. I don't know how someone would pay. It's like they, they have all this money. Look, I don't care. We just got to shoot it. Uh, just do what you can. It, it is ridiculous. And you get these packs, too, um, that create a lot of the more crazy ones, these such and such packs that, you know, they must just funnel the money to these packs and then they can create the craziest ads imaginable um, because it's not directly associated to them. Mm. Uh, Yeah, I think that I read somewhere that that one was actually a a couple of years old. They're bringing it back for whatever reason, which is a terrible, terrible mistake. Um, Let me go to uh, the actual race itself. When you're talking to people around Pennsylvania, you live in an area that's relatively close to Philadelphia, but, you know, not you're not in the middle of nowhere. You're in sort of a suburban, you know, purplish sort of county. What are people around you saying about this race and the gubernatorial race? Um, Well, mostly the talk really is around Fetterman and Oz. And most people just can't believe that Fetterman, I mean, just because of the health issues and, you know, whatever reason it is, I mean, he just he can't seem to string together, you know, thoughts, coherent thoughts and sentences. It's sad. And he's out there trying to campaign. And I think people are just baffled that this is a thing. <laughs> I, I, that seems to be the biggest, uh, you know, the biggest takeaway that I get from it is that, you know, even Democrats who, you know, aren't going to vote for Oz aren't exactly thrilled that Fetterman's the guy. But um, I, this is an interesting litmus test, too, because 
uh, similar to Biden, it's like you're just putting someone up there and then just running against Oz. It's like it, it's almost doesn't even matter at this point. Are we going to get to a place where it doesn't even matter the candidate you throw up there? Like you could you could throw a, a potato up there and like, hey, you know, Oz is going against a potato. And but at least the potato is not going to vote against choice, you know, and and people vote for the potato. I mean, that's what it seems like we're headed. I mean, maybe I'm crazy where we're headed. That's where we are. John Fetterman is essentially a walking potato. That is that is the limit of his capacity here. And I mean, this really does test the the bounds of partisanship. I mean, everybody knows this guy can't do this job. Everybody knows it. And, you know, look, I can see this happening on the other side at some level where, like, if you had some, you know, what you, a person you pictured was an extreme uh, pro-choice candidate and, and was going to raise taxes and do all these terrible things, mm-hmm. even if your candidate was really terrible, a lot of people would still be like, well, I'm not going to vote for the guy who wants, like, you know, nine-month abortions. I mean, I'm not going to do that. I guess <laughs> I got to go for the other person. So I understand some of it, especially among ideological people. It just feels to me, and I'd love to see what you think about how this race is going to turn out. It seems to me, at the end of the day, there's enough people in the middle who don't have a big ideological bend. They're going to look at this and say, okay, this is just ridiculous. What am I? I can't vote for this guy. He can't even speak. I mean, you would hope that sanity is going to rule the day on this. Um, But, I mean, we're going to see. I mean, this is one of those ones. I mean, the numbers have tightened. That debate uh, did a lot to kind of what you're speaking to there, Stu, it's narrowed a lot since that debate. Um, And at the beginning of this thing, Oz was way behind and that gap has just closed and closed and closed. And now it's essentially pretty close. I mean, depending on which poll you look at, you might, I think real clear politics had Oz up by a smidge in the, in their average of the polls. Um, But Pennsylvania is such a weird state because you've got Philadelphia dominate they're just over the border there in jersey but it's obviously heavily democratic and so you get that and then you know pittsburgh but but the rest of it's all red Mm. you know for the most part i mean you get you get deep i mean if you drive out across pennsylvania which i've done several times this year you're going to see all kinds of uh trump uh, billboards and like people making a big thing out of their flowers on the side of a hill that says trump (laughs) i mean that's what you have out in the rest of the state so it's it's a really weird dynamic, but uh, definitely going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I honestly have no idea how it's going to play out. Another thing that's interesting about the state is one of the two football teams is 8-0. And, and I don't know that people are focusing on that. Now, I didn't notice. You know, it's so weird because Philly fans are completely calm and normal <laughs> when they're winning. Oh, you got one and, team in the World Series, another team that's 8-0. I mean, you got to give Graham a little grace on this one, I think. It's insane. Look at what I'm going through, America, right now. I've got to deal with Oz and Fetterman. And people are running over Oz signs. And now I've got to deal with the insane. Now, Stu, you're the only sane Philadelphia fan I know, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I've got to deal with all the insane fans on the, on the World Series and on the Eagles. And uh, it, help me. Yeah. Just, just help me. I mean, maybe I'll move back to Texas. <laughs> all right. Uh, before we go, give me a picture of how you think this entire thing is going to turn out. What happens in the House? What happens in the Senate? Uh, any of the big races you want to comment on? We've got about a minute and a half. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to go through the specifics on them. I, I think you're just going to see. I mean, I think you're going to see. The, we've heard the red wave. We've also heard the tsunami. I'm leaning towards tsunami. I, I just mm. think Democrats have misread the room on the economy. You cannot sit here and ignore the economy. There's no way around the pocketbook. Everyone's going to the grocery store and pay, paying three times that they were paying when Biden took office. 
Uh, everyone's going to the gas pump and getting absolutely ravaged there. These are things you just can't, the interest rates on houses are going up. Try to buy a house right now. What kind of interest rate you're going to get? Um, you can't avoid these things. That that's going to hit average people. You can't. You can talk about January sixth all you want. You know. You can talk about Trump all you want. You're not getting around this. And them ignoring it and not really giving actual good talking points to it. I think. I think will translate in the polls in a big way. Mm, yeah. I mean, it's, it, the January sixth thing is interesting because. It, it, at the end of the day, it was basically an emotional event. We all thought everything was really bad, and we didn't we yeah. didn't like what we saw on that day. But there was never a real threat to the republic. It's not like the republic was going to collapse because a bunch of idiots in horns on their hats were inside the Capitol. And, right. you know, if this election was happening a couple weeks after January 6th, there would be that emotional piece of that that I think might drive some people. We saw that happen in Georgia with, with the runoffs that happened, uh, you know, right around that time as it wasn't January 6th, but the, the election situation going on. I don't think that that resonates with people now. I mean, I, they want it corrected. They don't want it to happen again. But I don't think that's going to be moving people uh, to the polls, at least this time. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, it's it's a miscalculation on what average Americans are feeling. And it and and also they're not good at the talking points. No. Like they're just bad at it. So it's it's a bad angle. But at least you could say, well, if someone was sophisticated and articulate, maybe they could pull it off. But they're not, and they just sound idiotic a lot of the times, well, in my opinion. As you can see here, Dan Andros is too extreme for the people of Pennsylvania, <laughs> and uh, he should be he definitely shouldn't vote him into office. He's the managing editor of FaithWire.com, host of CBN's Quick Start podcast. Definitely subscribe to that. Lots of great election updates. And I know you guys are doing some election coverage as well, right? Yep, we have a panel on there on today's episode with uh, John Stolness and a bunch of the CBN reporters uh, going through and breaking down all the different things that are going on in the various races. All right. Thanks, Dan. And go birds. So the big election night, it's just, what is it, four days away? I can't believe it. And the stakes are as high as they've ever been for a midterm election. Will there be a red wave? I don't know. Will there be uh, a big um, push to the left? Will we see the the blue wave a little bit uh, trickle in? I don't know. I don't think so, but we'll see. You join Glenn Beck, Jason Whitlock, Ali Beth Stuckey, Steve Dace, Sarah Gonzalez, myself, Eric, uh, Alex Stein. I think Megan Kelly is going to uh, appear on the program. I think Dave Rubin's going to be there, maybe with Ron DeSantis. Everything's going to be going on that night. It's Blaze TV Live election night coverage. Do not miss it. How do you get it? Well, of course, you could start by going over about 745, 8 o'clock uh, to blazetv.com slash midterms, or you can go to the Blaze TV YouTube channel as we help you make sense of the election results. The promo code is Red Wave. You'll get 30 bucks off. And then after the coverage ends, which is around midnight, we're going to be going over to the Stu Does America YouTube channel and continue coverage for as long as I can continue to stay awake. Uh, so it's uh, blazetv.com slash midterms. Promo code is Red Wave for 30 bucks off. Joining me now is Jorge Ventura, field reporter for The Daily Caller. If you haven't caught it yet, be sure to check out his newest documentary, Narcofornia. It's very cool and tells, tells you a lot about the story, what's going on uh, on the border and all throughout California as well. Uh, it's available now at narcofornia.com. Jorge, how's it going? Doing good, Stu. It's good to be with you. And, uh, you know, with midterms, there's no days off right now. There's no days off right now. There's no sleep. There's no days off right now. Uh, let's talk about the midterms, because I find to be maybe the, some of the most fascinating races in the country. 
are actually happening here in Texas. You mm -hmm. think of a red state in Texas, how could it possibly be interesting? But southern Texas is surprising a lot of people. It is, too. Uh, what we're seeing right now is some really historic kind of percentage shifts when it comes to Hispanic vote with the GOP. So back in 2016, when Clinton ran, ran against Trump, she blew him out of the water, six, won by over 60 points. Mm. Now, fast forward to Biden-Trump, that gap closed. The, uh, Biden only beat Trump by 26 uh, points. And then we've been looking at polls now. It's looking like that gap's going to shrink. I've been on the ground myself speaking with voters to get in a fill. And it's fascinating because Congresswoman Myra Flores, who won, she was the uh, Republican who flipped a seat that has been Democrat for over 100 years, created this kind of new wave of momentum when she won her special election. She basically brought attention there. The GOP and the Republican Party started looking at it and said, wait a minute, Something's happening with his Latino vote, and they started pouring in millions. Now we're seeing Cassie Garcia, Monica de la Cruz also being backed by the GOP. They've been kind of nicknamed as the triple threat. Um, they're kind of what I would kind of categorize as the Democrats' worst nightmare because they're Latinas, they're women, and they're running on the Republican Party, and they're speaking out against inflation and border security. So it's really fascinating what's happening with South Texas with the Latino vote. First of all, Jorge, it's Latinx. Yeah. Just so you know. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, my mistake. Yeah, okay, I'm being racist against my own people. I'm no. glad you understand. I can white explain to you, <laughs> you. Uh, the Latinx phenomenon. Um, we talked to both Cassie Garcia and uh, Myra Flores mm -hmm. on the radio show here over the past couple of weeks. They're both really impressive candidates, too. Flores is interesting because she was in, as you mentioned, a, a special election that she won. Uh, hadn't been Republican in a zillion years. Of course, she kind of has bad timing here because she wins the district and then they redistrict mm -hmm. it and make it much more difficult for her to win. So for her to win now would normally be a pretty big upset, even bigger than it was in the special uh, election recently. Is she going to pull this thing out? So right now, so we're looking at everything. It's about a, it's a it's at a toss up, which mm. is exactly what the GOP wants. They want this thing tightly con uh, contested because. Um, Myra, Monica, and Cassie are all essentially underdogs, right? Because this, yeah. down there in South Texas is a Democratic stronghold. I mean, they've been voting Democrat 100 years. So to even see these flips would be pretty historic. Like you were saying, you know, she wins a special election, which was not supposed to happen, but then she gets redrawn, and now it's pitted up against Vicente Gonzalez. But one thing I'm finding interesting, Stu, um, particularly with Myra Flores, is when she's campaigning, is her messaging. So she says she really emphasizes God, family, and country. You'll hear th those three a lot. And another kind of key kind of sentence that she says, she says, I'm not loyal to any political party. And she says, I'm not even loyal to the Republican Party. I'm loyal to God and family. And I think that messaging is really resonating with those Latino working class voters that are struggling with inflation. It's resonating with those Latino voters who have been maybe voting Democrat for years and years and say, wait a minute, this is the first time that someone looks like me speaking about the issues I care about, but they have an R next to the name, but they're talking about God and family. And I was speaking with some Latino voters on there and they said, we haven't even heard the word God and family from the Democrats here in over 40 years. We could finally relate to someone. So I think Myra's really interesting because of her messaging and it's really connecting with folks. She just, I was just there uh, on Monday and she brought down Tulsi Gabbard to campaign with her as well. So it's, it's really fascinating talking to those voters who said, hey, I've been a Clinton supporter, Obama voter, but this time I'm voting Greg Abbott and for congressional I'm voting Myra Flores. So it's really fascinating down there in South Texas. What is the difference? I mean, is it just that the Democrats have been so bad that it's, you know, kind of taking a moment to shock the Latino community, sort of to say, wait a minute, I need to look at another direction because this has been so bad. Is it partially that the Republicans have poured resources into this and taken it seriously? I mean, it seems like in the past, Republicans paid lip service to wanting, mm -hmm. uh, you know, this diverse co coalition, but did they really put any effort into it? Seems like they have now, and they found not like, uh, you know, I don't know, celebrity candidates or anything like, like they've taken authentic people from the community who have a history in these in these areas and said, hey, I think we agree on on, on more than than we thought. 
Is it is it that approach? What 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 explains all of this? Well, it's a little bit of everything, Stu. It's it's the Republicans not paying too much attention to it. And the the key word that I got um, when speaking to voters when we spoke about the Democratic Party is abandoned. Mm. They say we feel abandoned. We've been voting for them for years. Our wages have not gone up. Um, out there in South Texas is the Rio Grande Valley. They actually have double the national rate of poverty than the rest of the country. Um, so they haven't seen their wages go up, horrible infrastructure, health care, and then on top of that, the border security and inflation. So when, I'm, when I was speaking with them, they said, yeah, they abandoned us. We've been voting for them, and they, they have left me. Now I can't. I'm paying double on gas, can't afford groceries. Um, their, their energy bills have, have gone up as well. And the GOP has now kind of filled that void of saying, we hear you, we listen to you, and we're running candidates that look like you and are from your community. That's what's really closing the gap. The other kind of um, issue here too, Stu, when we kind of get into the culture war stuff, is when I was speaking to some of the Latino voters down there who've been loyal to the Democratic Party, they're saying um, the huge issue they're seeing now is that they feel the Democratic Party has moved too far to the left on family and social values. So the yeah. big thing to them was seeing the support from Beto O'Rourke, supporting trans uh, kind of uh, gender transition for children and teenagers that does not fly with the Latino communities, even those that vote Democrat. So I was when I heard that, I was like, oh, okay, this kind of makes sense. These two issues are really driving them to the to the GOP. So th that right now they feel abandoned economic needs, but then they also they feel um, family social values. They can't really relate to the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party doesn't even talk about God and religion. So these voters feel, you know, I don't actually identify with this Democratic Party of the you know, 90s or the early 2000s. Mm. Um, let's go a little wider on Texas here for a second. You mentioned Beto. Mm -hmm. uh, Beto running against Greg Abbott. Uh, it would have been a tough uh, uphill battle for him to win in this state. Really, at any time, he came relatively close to Ted Cruz uh, several years ago, but he lost that race. Then he lost the presidential race. Now he's back for another dose uh, here against Greg Abbott. Does he have any chance to win? And how are people in the Latino community taking to Beto? So this one, um, the GOP is not worried about. There's no mm -hmm. poll that shows uh, Beto winning. There was, that was actually an interesting tweet from uh, Real Clear Politics that said that Beto and Stacey Abrams are going to spend around $150 million on uh, this campaign season, and yet both have not led on any polls. <laughs> so what's interesting, um, Stu, is when I'm interviewing both voters, I spoke to a lot of Beto supporters, um, their top issues could, are very, very different. So when I'm speaking to Beto supporters, they say our top issues are abortion, abortion rights and the gun violence relating to the Uvalde shooting. You don't hear the word economy, you don't hear about inflation, you don't hear about border security, but you hear that about with the Republican voters. Um, another interesting thing here is since Beto is polling really low, the, the crowds haven't been as, as big, so when we're, we're there, they're not these kind of huge crowds. He tends to pull in more of what I would say the college voters, so you yeah. know, young college kids who are liberal, you know, um, got a liberal education, who kind of you know, want to use the pronouns and that, that stuff. Mm -hmm. He'll pull those people, but the actual working class people who are struggling, um, he's not relating with those folks. So Greg Abbott has, has been campaigning down there, but um, from everything that I've been looking at from my sources inside the GOP, they are not worried at all on the governor's race. The, the GOP is only focused on those three congressional races because they want those seats flipped. Mm, that, that would be, they would be humongous. And it humongous. makes sense. It would mm -hmm. make a lot of sense. Let's go over to another broader state here, Arizona. A big race for a governor, Carrie Lake, uh, going up against Katie Hobbs. Katie Hobbs will not debate Carrie Lake. Even Fetterman showed up to a debate. As, as bad of an idea as that was, he still showed up. Hobbs won't even show up. I mean, what are we seeing there in Arizona, and what do you think is going to happen? So Arizona is really interesting because they have a huge Latino population who is also swinging to the GOP off economic and the border, the border issue. Um, what's fascinating, and we were speaking a little bit before, Stu, was that when this race started, um, I mean, Katie Hobbs was blowing Lake out of the yeah, water. It yeah. wasn't even a close race, but Lake kept chipping in, chipping in, chipping in. 
And now if you look at some polls, actually is leading in some. I think her not debating is a huge problem for a lot of voters. Because I think in Arizona, there's a lot of folks who are stuck in the middle. They don't know which way to go. And inflation is playing a huge role in that. They want to see which candidate's going to help my economic needs. Um, and I think her not debating is a sign of weakness. We're even seeing mainstream media, press hobs, you know, she's been on CNN, ABC News, and they're even pressing her saying, hey, um, you know, a lot of voters are not going to respect you if you don't debate Lake. And according to those journalists as well, when Hobbs was running against a, Demo a Democratic primary, they, she also didn't debate that, that uh, her challenger either. So uh, that looks like a sign of weakness. <laughs> I think the border is playing a huge, huge issue. And I think... Uh, Blake Masters' campaign, actually, uh, and running against uh, Mark Kelly is kind of playing a, a role in this one. What I mean by that is they're dubbing Mark Kelly as Cartel Kelly, as you'll hear, mm -hmm. and kind of connecting him uh, to the border. So it's it's pr particularly fascinating to see. Uh, but Lake is doing really well with Hispanic voters. There's kind of this general thinking from white liberals and mainstream media that, like, Hispanics support abortion, and they've actually will come to find out that Hispanics are actually more kind of conservative than some, some yeah. white voters. Oh, yeah. So um, Hobbs is lo losing a lot of ground when it comes to the abortion issue. The Kelly Masters thing is interesting interesting too because Kelly is trying to portray himself as if he's Kirsten Cinema, right? Like he's the he's a renegade. He goes against the party all the time. There's no evidence of this. I mean, right. he in these debates, he's saying, oh, well, I, I really think the, the Republicans are right on the border. And it's like, well, where were where were your votes all of this time? I, I mean, Kelly is really trying to fool the voters of Arizona. Yeah, and, you know, Mark Kelly just did a, you know was just made a statement uh, publicly. He said, well, yeah, you know, DC has has been failing us at the border for over 40 years. It was like, well, you were voted to go there right. and, and, and do something it. about it. Um, the other interesting here um, aspects too is. Both candidates, the Democrat candidates, are not asking Joe Biden to come in campaign. Mm -hmm. We see now Obama down there in Arizona have to do the campaigning, which is an interest, uh, interesting. And I was watching um, CNN, and even CNN said this is not a good sign that they have to pull out an ex-president. How come the current president come in there? And, and what they're saying is because the polling is extremely low. Right now, yeah. Joe Biden is actually doing the worst with black and Latino voters, which in Arizona, you're going to need that independent vote to kind of swing it your way to, to, to win that seat. Yeah, Biden is hurting the Democratic candidates, which is good because then they can feel what it's like to be in the country and deal with all the terrible policies. He's been hurting us for two years. Now we'll see what goes on with these candidates. Jorge Ventura, field reporter for The Daily Caller. Uh, go check out Narcofornia at narcofornia.com and make sure to follow him on uh, social media as well. Jorge, thanks for coming on the program. Thanks, too. Uh, over the past couple of years, there's been this exodus from blue states into red states. People just, I cannot stay here anymore. I don't want to be locked down anymore. I got to get away from the crime and the border stuff and all of this. And people are moving to red states. And when you move to a new area, you don't know what real estate agent to get. You might not have a contact. Maybe there's no one you've worked with before that you're happy with. Uh, whether you're moving in town or across the country, you can get a new real estate agent at realestateagentsitrust.com. If you do that, whether you're buying or selling a home, you're going to get the best agent in your area. Why? Because they're already pre-screened. They go through, they measure, measure these people, they say, hey, what are your, what are your uh, qualifications? They look at the results, they go through a giant checklist to make sure these people will be right for you. The best agents in your area are at realestateagentsitrust.com. Go there now, get some uh, information, and they will connect you to the best agent in your area. It's realestateagentsitrust.com realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, it's blazetv.com slash midterms for your midterm uh, night election coverage. Don't miss it. Use the promo code REDWAVE. You'll save 30 bucks off. That goes until midnight. Uh, not the code, but the coverage goes till midnight. Then we'll go over to the Studios America YouTube channel and go into the wee hours of the morning as long as we can last. 
Who knows what's going to happen? Will it be really, really good news? Will it be really, really bad news? Who knows? But the one thing we do know is no matter what happens election night, the Eagles will still be 8-0 and 